On this episode, it's a crash course on wedding cakes. I'm Debbie Queen. You're listening to another episode of Weddings for a Living, the talk show for wedding planners. If you're passionate about planning weddings for other people, this is the show for you. This is actually the talk show that goes along with the website, weddingsforaliving.com. If you're a new or an aspiring professional wedding planner, this is what the show is all about. It's for you. Today, I want to focus on one of the fundamentals of being a professional wedding planner. We're not talking about marketing, not talking about clients, we're not talking about contracts, although we might a little bit. We're talking about wedding cakes. So it's a crash course on wedding cakes. If you're new, this is right up your alley. If you've been planning weddings for a while, this is a great refresher. So as you're going through your wedding planning in career, think of this as an episode that you can come back to right before you talk to your clients about their wedding cake. So what could be more symbolic than a wedding cake? It's so special that it gets its own special cake table at the wedding reception. It's going to be photographed over and over again. It's one element that almost all guests are going to expect to see at your client's wedding. So let's take some time. We're going to talk a bit about the styles of wedding cakes, icing and filling, wedding cake pricing, the setup and delivery of the cake, um, and a few cost-saving tips that you can hopefully pass on to your clients. So for centuries, Weddings have been celebrated with a special cake, and they have evolved drastically. The ancient Romans would finalize their wedding ceremonies by breaking loaves of wheat bread over the heads of the newlyweds to bring luck and prosperity. And then in medieval Europe, the bride and the groom would attempt to kiss over the super tall stack of spiced buns. And if they were successful... A prosperous future was almost certainly guaranteed. And then between the 17th and the 19th century in England, bride's pie was an important wedding dish, which eventually evolved into bride cake, the forerunner of the modern day wedding cake. And then the multi-tiered wedding cake, as we know it today, has its origins in a creation for the wedding of Queen Victoria's daughter, Vicky. It's a very modern sounding name. For some, for a person back then, although only the bottom tier was actually cake. The first tiered wedding cake, made entirely of cake, was made for Prince Leopold's wedding in 1882. Now, Leopold sounds like a much more fitting name for someone of that that time. But anyway, because most Victorian bakers didn't have the skill to stop the top layer of the wedding cake from becoming the bottom layer, it took almost 20 years after that before columns we use to separate cake layers. So as we know it now, more it's not something we see too much now. Um, but in some places, it's, you know, you have the bottom layer of cake, then there are pillars, and then there's another cake, and so forth. So it took a while for our bakers to get to that point. In some instances, the wedding cake doesn't even look like a wedding cake now. If you open any bridal magazine or go to any website, you'll see picture after picture of the multi-tiered wedding cakes. And a multi-layered cake has to be very carefully constructed and it's reinforced inside. So internally, there are, there's a mechanism to prevent the, the cake 
from from the top layer going all the way down to the bottom layer. So I don't know if you know this, but there are dowels that are inserted into each layer of the cake, and that's to reinforce the structure. And then there's a foam or a cardboard insert that's inserted underneath each layer of the cake. So just so you know, it looks easy. It looks like it's something that, you know, you just make bake one cake slightly bigger than the others and then stack them. No, there's way more to it than that, which is why you want to make sure that you have a professional creating wedding cakes. It's not an easy task. So for adventurous couples who want to inject like a sense of fun into their wedding, you'll see maybe the topsy-turvy cake. And wedding guests always seem to get a kick out of a crooked cake. But just so you know, the cake isn't actually crooked. It's just constructed to look that way. Again, another vote for having a professional to do your client's wedding cakes. Cupcakes are another trend at weddings. And this stylish alternative is a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> However, don't assume that these individual morsels will cost less than a traditional tiered wedding cake. Creating cupcakes is a pretty labor-intensive process. In the United Kingdom, the traditional wedding British wedding cake is actually a fruit cake, and it's covered with marzipan. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. And inside the cake, it's made with fruits and prunes and raisins that have been soaked in either brandy or whiskey. And then the top tier of the wedding cake is often saved as the christening cake for the couple's first baby. In France, the magnificent croquembouche is a truly unique wedding cake. And that's like a cone-shaped tower, sometimes more than five feet high, of profiteroles which are cream or custard-filled cream puffs. And they're stuck together with caramel and covered with spun sugar. It really is a sight to behold. So the croquembouche evolved during the time of King Charles II and was quite the status symbol since sugar at the time was a really rare commodity. So if you had a croquembouche at the wedding, it was an indicator, it indicated that you, you had some money. So let's go on to talking a bit about the, the types of icing and fillings for your, what, your client's wedding cake. So as a professional wedding planner, you're going to need to connect with cake makers. And you need to know the basics of what makes a wedding cake look spectacular. So I gave you a little bit of insight there about the dowels and the construction part. But here in the United States, there are two types of icing that you'll frequently see on wedding cakes. Not the only types, but the, the, ones that, the, the two that are most frequently seen um, are fondant and buttercream. So fondant is the secret sauce of the picture-perfect cakes. Fondant is made out of sugar, corn syrup, and gelatin, and it has the consistency of, um, of Play-Doh. So it's rolled out really thin like a pie crust, and then it's draped over the cake, and it gives it almost like a porcelain smooth finish. So fondant is perfect for hot, humid weather because it won't melt. And actually fondant on cake keeps the wedding cake fresh for a couple days at room temperature. So just so you know, if your clients are getting married or if you're located in an area where the temperature, you know, the thermometer can begin to climb, fondant might be the thing. A downside of fondant that you should share with clients, although it looks great, it, it really is great for the photos and everything, is that the taste isn't that great, depending on who you ask. So it's not something that's very pleasing to everyone's palate. Using buttercream, which we'll talk about in just a moment, underneath the fondant 
is a baker's trick and sometimes used to improve the taste of the fondant. So fondant traditionally cannot be refrigerated because when it does, um, the, the, the surface begins to form water spots. And that's from the condensation. Although I've heard that some cakes with fondant are going in the refrigerator. But from what I know, not a cake maker by, tra- by trade, fondant usually is, is better off at room temperature. So let's talk a little bit about buttercream. So as the name suggests, buttercream consists of butter and sugar. So not only this makes a very fluffy ice, icing, and not only does this have a much more pleasant and rather sweet flavor, it's easy to color. It's easy to flavor, and it's it's a lot less labor-intensive to make than fondant. So as a result, buttercream is actually a less expensive option for a wedding cake. But just remember, you're working with butter. So if you're using butter for buttercream for frosting or icing for, um, for the outside of the cake, because of that high butter contact, content, it won't last long. In, very, in a very warm environment. So if your clients are planning an outdoor wedding during the height of summer, buttercream may not be the icing, may not be the way to go. Um, buttercream, as I mentioned, when we were talking about fondant, can go underneath the fondant and sometimes it's used as a filling, not just as the fluffy icing. And that's a lot, again, has a lot to do with the, with the taste. So there are some, those are the two popular ones, at least here in the United States, buttercream and fondant. But there are, you know, lots of other options out there. And so just to ensure that you understand the lingo of the cake makers, which you will inevitably meet as a professional wedding planner, here are some wedding cake decorating terms that I think you should familiarize yourself with. Royal icing. This is not as popular in the U.S. as fondant or buttercream, but royal icing is made, it's popular in the United Kingdom. So royal icing is made of confectioner's sugar and egg whites. So it comes out like a, a meringue. So this it's like a meringue-like sweet icing, which is pure white because of the egg whites. And it dries hard very quickly. Like fondant, it doesn't need refrigeration. Royal icing is used... Um, is piped on the wedding cake using a pastry bag and it's a favorite for creating really delicate flowers and intricate wedding cake design. If you've ever seen cakes that have almost like a, a, that look like lace, royal icing is usually involved in, in creating that. Marzipan is another term you should be familiar with. So marzipan is used by pastry chefs and has been used for centuries. It's an edible modeling clay. Um, with a sweet almondy taste that's popular in Europe too. So royal icing is popular in, in Europe and marzipan also. And it's made from, marzipan is made from sugar, sugar, <laughs> I get my words right, sugar, eggs, and crushed almonds. And it has a light, has a light golden color and it's rolled into thin sheets like fondant and placed over a cake before it's iced. So marzipan it has that kind of texture like like fondant, that smooth kind of porcelain-like appearance. Marzipan is also used oftentimes to um, make small sculptures, edible sculptures like small fruits and small vegetables, if that, that look is going on the top of the cake. A lot of times that's what those items are made of. Whipped cream is inexpensive icing and can be also a filling for a wedding cake. It's not as sweet as buttercream, but whipped cream must be refrigerated until the very last possible moment. It's the perfect complement for wedding cakes that have a sweet fruit filling because it's not in and of itself, you know, whipped cream 
has sort of a, a mild taste. I love whipped cream. I really do. Don't see that too often on wedding cakes, but it's a personal favorite of mine. Okay, another wedding cake term that you should be familiar with um, is drage. So a drage, and it's spelled D-R-A-G-E-E-S, and there's an accent over the first E. So dragees are these small edible candied beads or balls, and they're coated with the metallic gold or silver, and those are used to decorate. Another term, another delicious term is ganache. So ganache is a smooth mixture of chocolate melted with heavy cream. That sounds divine, does it not? And it's poured over cakes to create a real beautiful glossy finish. So if you ever see the cake that looks shiny and has that that dark brown finish, it's ganache. Just so that you know, I didn't know this, but chilled ganache is used to make chocolate truffles. So there you have it. And ganache is spelt G like George, A, N like November, A-C-H-E. And for the show notes for today's episode, you'll see all of the correct spellings and, and examples of, of what I'm describing to you here. Gum, gum paste is another term that I want you to be familiar with. And there's actually gum, case, gum paste has a pretty fancy alternative name and it's pronounced pastillage, pastillage. And it looks like pastillage when it's written down. So gum, gum, gum paste, it's a sugar-based dough that dries to a very hard and rigid texture, and it's molded to make edible decorations, especially flowers that need to be botanically correct. So you can see a collection of, of gum, cake, gum paste and edible flowers on the show notes for today's episode. So those are, the t- those are some terms that I want you to be familiar with. It's, it's important that when you're speaking to wedding professionals that you have a general idea. I don't expect you to be a know-it-all when it comes to wedding cakes, but these are the basics, which is why I want us to go through this crash course so that you're not left looking a little dumbfounded during the consultations with, when you're meeting with vendors to introduce, them, to introduce yourself and also when you're going on vendor visits with your clients. So let's talk a little bit about cake fillings. Most professional bakers will offer wedding cake in a variety of flavors with delicious fillings. And many of your clients will choose either yellow or white cake. That's pretty much the standard here in the United States. But there's also a good chance that the meeting with the cake maker will introduce your clients to a long, long list of other wedding cake flavor options for them to consider. So that's totally up to them. If for multi-tiered cake, which a lot of wedding cakes are, your clients can stick with just one favorite flavor or they can mix things up and use a variety of cake flavors for each of the different tiers. But for the most part, even though there's a lot, there are a lot of options out there, yellow cake or white cake seems to be the, the, the hands down first choice. Just be careful, though, when there are a lot of options out there, it can sort of freeze people into not taking action. So you might want to prep your clients and let them know that ahead of time with regard to making selection. So let's talk a little about a little bit about cost. If you check out the various wedding budgets that are published online and in different bridal books, a percentage there's a you know that you know the ones that have a different percentage that are allocated to the wedding, to, you know, ten percent for the wedding planner, you know. 9% for, photo- for photography. The, the, the amount that's allocated to the wedding cake varies. And the thing is, when it just in general, talking about wedding budgets for a second, those are just guidelines. Whenever you see like a pie chart or an estimated amount that should go towards a wedding, it varies. For some of your clients, the wedding cake is going to be a huge deal for them. And for those clients, they're going to spend more. 
Some clients may not even want a wedding cake. Not a great idea because a lot of wedding guests will expect to see a wedding cake, just so you know. But it varies. It really varies. So usually a wedding reception takes up about 50% of the overall wedding budget. And then the wedding cake typically is a small portion within that 50% of the budget. So I'm not going to give you a specific number because it really, really varies. But just so you know, based on the average wedding costs in the United States right about now, it's wedding cakes vary anywhere from $400 on up. There are some wedding cakes that, that are as high as $1,200. Again, it depends on the importance of the wedding cake and some of the elements, what it is that your clients want. And we'll talk a little bit about cost in just a second. But most bakers and pastry chefs, and these are the people who are creating the cake, will charge for the wedding cake by the slice. So depending on your location and where you are in the world, prices may vary from $2 a slice, which would be which would be a standard cake made from a mix, to as much as $20 for a slice of cake that is based on a custom design that's been baked from scratch. So for example, if the price for a wedding cake is listed as $4 per slice and there's and the cake needs to be made for 150 wedding ga- wedding guests, excuse me, then the cost for that wedding cake would be $600. $4 times 150 people. So that's usually how the cost for a cake is determined. It's by the slice. The final cost though is is determined by the labor that's involved in creating the masterpiece. So Most bakers will have a base price that consists of just cake and buttercream. And then from there, each upgrade adds to the price. So if they want marzipan fruits or sugary flowers, that's going to keep adding on to the the price. Of course, as a professional wedding planner, once you know what drives the cost of the wedding cake, you can help to keep your client's costs down if that's an issue. So as I mentioned earlier, for example, fondant, gives cake wedding cake that very smooth porcelain like finish but fondant is a pretty labor intensive kind of filling um icing to make so buttercream might be better suited for someone who's on a budget once you understand what the elements are and what drives the cost then you're in a great position which is what I really want for what which is what I really want for you is for you to be an educated wedding planner so Let's talk a little bit about meeting with a cake maker. You want to secure the wedding cake maker about four to six months before the client's wedding. As a professional wedding planner, you want to complete your research before then, before you recommend a cake maker to your client. In any situation, my hope is that you have done some homework and you've started to research the different professional wedding vendors in your area so that you can recommend some people that you have already met and interviewed when you have clients, as opposed to meeting a cake person or whomever it is at the same time that your client's meeting them. You want to be able to say, I've met with this person. This is their price range. This is what they specialize in. So you want to do a little bit of homework first. Make sure that any cake maker that you're recommending meets the local health requirements and operates out of a clean and sanitary location. There are a lot of talented people out there who will make cakes from their home kitchen. Stay away from that. That's not the type of professional wedding vendor that you should be recommending to your clients. Maybe that's something you want to do for a private event that you're hosting. But please, please make sure that the person who is that you are recommending to your clients for wedding cakes is someone who is authorized to do so by your local health rules. 
find out, and I'm still talking about research here, you want to find out if the cakes are priced by the slice, which is the way that most bakers price. If not, ask how prices are established. You also want to find out if the cake person, the cake maker, will deliver the cake and set it up. Make sure that this person has references, wonderful references. Ask for them and then check them. So many wedding planners will ask for references but then won't do anything with them. Ask other vendors if they've worked with this person and check out their list of clients. So you do some homework. As wedding planners, we're supposed to do the legwork for our clients. So there's no sense in getting references for a professional vendor unless you do your homework and check out those references. Ask if all flavors and fillings are the same. Find out what their backup plans are. If something happens to them, who will take over for the wedding cake? And this is important, especially if you're dealing with a one-man or one-woman operation and for any professional vendor, including you. So you, professional wedding event planner, working on your own, you should actually have a backup plan too, by the way. So when you finally get to meet a professional cake maker. You want to ask to see their portfolio of their cakes and also try to find bakers who routinely use fresh ingredients like real butter and cream, fresh fruit. And because the cake should taste as good as it looks. Having a spectacular looking cake that tastes like ugh, not a good thing, especially if you're the person that's recommending this cake person. Keep in mind that many local grocery stores can create beautiful, beautiful wedding cakes that cost far less than a traditional wedding cake maker. So don't discredit those places. Places like Costco, Sam's Club. Ask them about their wedding cakes. Don't just leave it to what you're seeing in the display case. Ask them, do they make wedding cakes? You might be pleasantly surprised. So once you've completed your homework, you want to make sure that your clients receive the undivided attention of this professional person, this professional cake person when they meet with him or her. So once you've narrowed down the list of, or you've got a person in mind or a couple places in mind, you want to make an appointment for your clients. That's a good thing for you to do. And again, hopefully this is someone you have already met and introduced yourself to. There's some information that the cake person is going to need before um, before you do anything, before you schedule any appointments. They're going to need to know the date of the wedding, of course. They need to know the reception location, meaning the address, the number of guests expected, the number of servings, and usually that's about 75% of the number of guests expected, not necessarily the number of guests invited. You want to provide the wedding cake person with the wedding colors and the design so they have a feel for what kind of the style of the wedding so that the cake the design of the cake can fit in. And then any pictures or sketches of cakes that your clients are drawn to, you want to have that information ready for the, the cake maker. Although I suggest hiring a professional cake maker months before the big day, when it comes to the actual design of the wedding cake, for a cohesive look, it really actually makes sense to do this after the wedding colors and the wedding gown and the overall style of the wedding are already selected. After all, you don't want the cake to look like it was delivered to the wrong party. If the reception is in a clean, modern room, well, hopefully every room is clean, but I'm talking about clean as far as <laughs> aesthetics, you want to make sure that the cake follows suit. If your clients are getting married on the beach, a cake with sugar sheets, oh gosh, sugar seashells and colors that resemble sand and water might be the way to go. So you want to secure someone ahead of time 
But you also want to give some thought to how all of this is going to play in with the, the style of the wedding. Some other information that, that you may not have thought of that I found to be helpful during the cake design process include knowing the size of the room where the cake will be displayed, the ceiling height of the room where the cake will be displayed, what time of day the meal is being served, um, knowing how formal the wedding is, uh, whether or not the wedding cake will serve as the only dessert. So these are things that you may not think of, but are actually very helpful to the person who's creating the cake. So let's talk a little bit about the contract. I told you we would touch on that a little bit. Just like any other wedding vendor that your client hires, the cake maker should have a contract in place. Please, please do not do business on a handshake. Once your clients have selected the cake maker, the best way for them to make up their minds about the details of the wedding cake is with a cake tasting. Now, this may not happen doesn't always happen until after the contract is signed. It's a little weird, but that's that that, that applies more to catering. Some folks making who who are, who are cake makers will hesitate to doing a tasting because it it costs them to do so. But the beauty is really with with the cake tasting is there's not a whole lot of cake that needs to be served, but when your clients do go for a tasting, suggest that they try all the fillings and write down the ones that they like. And then in the contract, those specifics should be listed too. So it's a bit of a catch-22 there. But my experience is a lot of um, cake makers will do a tasting. Some of them actually won't won't do the one-on-one tastings. They'll have scheduled tastings throughout the year, like once each quarter or every other month or once a month when folks come in and then sample sample the wares as it were. Let's talk a little bit about the delivery and the setup of the wedding cake. So you, on the contract, you want to check the and find out beforehand what the baker's delivery fee is. Some are standard. Others will charge by the mile. So they will either have a set fee or they'll say, you know, depending on how far away the wedding reception is from their place of business. Check to see if the reception site is within the baker's radius. In my experience, usually deliver, delivery is included in whatever the price that's been quoted for the cake. But you want to double check that. Make sure you make sure, make sure you make sure. By the way, moving a wedding cake is a job for professionals only. And I know you're a professional. But as the professional wedding planner, you need to let the cake maker know about any stairs at the wedding reception site. And also how close to the site the delivery vehicle can park. That makes a huge difference depending on the dimensions of that cake. Ideally, the cake maker should deliver the cake to the exact spot where it will be displayed. This means you've got to have the cake table in position and covered with any necessary linens before delivery. Inexperienced people trying to move a wedding cake spells disaster. Don't get into the business of moving a wedding cake or arranging for your staff to move the wedding cake. It's important that when that cake arrives, it's ready to go and is set up in place. Please, please don't get into the business of moving a wedding cake. So as you work through the creation of your wedding day schedule, so I'm assuming that you're going to be doing the timeline for the wedding day, you want to make sure as you do that, that you arrange to have the cake set up no more than two hours prior to the reception. An unattended cake can be disastrous. So if you know the wedding reception is supposed to get going by 6 p.m., 4 p.m. is a good time for the cake to arrive. Having a cake arrive at 2 p.m. for a wedding reception that doesn't begin until 6 p.m. is asking for problems. Now, there may not be a way around that, 
But that's my suggestion. You want to get as close to that time, two hours max before the start of the reception. Think through exactly where the cake table will be located. So when you do the walkthrough with your clients, this is going to come up. The banquet manager or the staff will likely offer suggestions because they've done this before and they know what works. Keep in mind, though, that some some rooms, reception sites will have like the mirrored look. We'll just have mirrors on the wall, period, not mirrored look. Just keep in mind that positioning the cake table in front of a mirror is a photographer's nightmare. Also, positioning the cake table in a corner, it makes it difficult for the wedding guests to see the couple as they're cutting the cake because their backs are to the guests. So it sounds like a good idea in theory to put the cake in the corner, but just be just be um, aware of that. The table that displays the wedding cake it's usually a 30-inch round. If you're not quite sure, that's, the, that's usually a safe size for the table. And it should be decorated beautifully. So use the same or the complementary linens as a, that, that are being used on the guest dining tables. The tablecloth on the cake table should reach the floor as that looks the most elegant. Don't have it stopping short. Have it go all the way down to the floor. Patent fabrics are tricky and have the potential to overpower the cake. So try to stay with something solid that doesn't have too much going on. Layering the cloths and pinning up sections is a look that works wonderfully. So think of like the, the tablecloth on the floor, all the way to the floor and then an overlay on the top that kind of picks up and looks like a scallop all around the table. Scattering real or silk petals over the tablecloth and around the cake um, works really well if you're not quite sure what to do. And like any focal point in the room, make sure that the cake table is well lit. Don't forget to place a small plate, the cake cutting knife, and two forks on the table for the actual cake cutting ceremony. So you want to add that notation to your wedding day timeline. Okay, so let me just talk for a moment about the cutting of the cake. Um, I don't, I'm not going to walk you through the whole thing, but it's really, this is usually the first, one of the first tasks together as a married couple. And many guests wouldn't dream of leaving the wedding reception until the wedding cake is cut. So encourage your clients not to wait until the very end of the reception to do that. It's a bit of a catch-22. It kind of happens towards the end of the reception, but guests won't leave until it happens. So don't forget to, you, you want to keep this in mind with regard to the timing of the wedding reception. Don't forget to determine what musical selection should be playing for the much and much anticipated portion of the wedding reception. So the DJ or the band leader may have some suggestions for you, but if, when in doubt, the easiest thing to do is just to play an, play an encore of the first dance song. That always works. So whatever the couple dance to for their first dance, use that, that, same song, that same selection to cut the wedding cake. It almost becomes like, like the couple's theme tune when in doubt. Um, so traditionally, the bride, the, I was going to say bride and groom. I don't want to make that assumption. The couple will feed each other the very first pieces of their wedding cake. And as the wedding planner, you want to be prepared to give them a quick rundown of what the cake cutting actually involves. Okay, so basically... If it's a bride and groom, the bride picks up the knife, the groom then places his right hand over hers, and together they use the point of the knife and they make two cuts in the back of the, the bottom layer of the cake. And then they remove that slice and put it onto a plate. And then the couple feed one another from the single slice of cake. 
So traditionally, the groom feeds the bride first, and then the bride feeds the groom, then they share a kiss. That's it. That's really what it involves. Make sure that you're familiar with the routine so that you can explain it, or maybe it's someone else on your staff that needs to explain that to the couple. Don't assume that everyone knows what needs to happen. So make sure you, you talk to your clients and let them know, you know that you're here to help and you'll walk them through that. If you're from the southern part of the United States, then you're probably familiar with the groom's cake. So in the old days, (laughs) the groom's cake was actually referred to as wedding cake. So what we now call wedding cake was known then as the bride's cake. So traditionally, the groom's cake was a dark fruit cake. Now, since very few people actually like fruit cake, I think I can say that because I'm not a fan, have your clients or the groom pick a flavor that has more mass appeal. So the groom's cake is has become sort of like a secondary cake now. So the bride has her cake and the groom has his cake. And because it is all about the groom, the design of the groom's cake is typically a reflection of his interests. You know, a, 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 a hop up for, for a hobby, like let's say he's into hockey, it might be the shape of a hockey stick. Or if it's for, you know, wherever he went to school, it might be his alma mater, it might be the mascot or the colors of the school. If he's into, I don't know, motorcycles, then maybe the, the room's cake might be the shape of a motorcycle. So it's a great way to be creative. So when is the best time to serve the groom's cake? Well, either serve it at the wedding reception alongside the wedding cake, or why not suggest to your clients that they serve it at the the rehearsal dinner? This way, the groom gets his time to shine as opposed to it just being a competition on the wedding day. But I don't want to make it sound like it's their first fight with the wedding cake, but just to give you some ideas. And the legend has it that if a single woman sleeps with a piece of the groom's cake under her pillow, that night she will dream of the person she will marry. And there you go. Just so that you know, some in some instances, the bride may keep the groom's cake as a surprise. So be prepared for that. She may not want him to know what the design is or that there is even a groom's cake Um, making an appearance. So just very quickly, there are a few cost, cost, cake cost saving tips. So these are some things you can pass on to your clients if they try and stay on budget and who isn't these days. Banquet facilities and hotels and some caterers who do not have their own pastry chef may suggest that your clients purchase their wedding cake through them. So this will likely include a hefty markup. Because the cake is not coming from them. All they're doing is they're contracting with another baker and then marking up the cost and passing that on to you. So make sure you come. It's it's convenient. But if it does come down to saving some money, make sure you compare the per slice cost with independent bakers. And this applies again if the caterer does not have their own pastry chef. That means they're outsourcing with another company. Another cost cake, another cake cost saving tip. Some venues will charge a cake cutting fee. And this is a fee that can be anywhere from a dollar to three dollars for using your own cake person. And I'm talking about per slice. And it's kind of like, I hate to say it this way, but it's kind of like punishment for not using their baker. So if they have the ven- the banquet facility has their own cake person and your clients opt to use an independent cake person outside of the facility and that's allowed, then what the venue will do is say, okay, well, gotcha. We're going to charge you for that. 
we'll cut the cake for you. But since it's not our cake, we're going to charge you an extra fee for that. So you want to research this and this should be part of your homework as you're checking out vendors. This is a really good fee to try to negotiate the elimination of. Make sure you're aware, look at the fine print to see if your venue or the, the venue is, is charging a cake costing fee, cake, cake cutting fee and try to get rid of that. As I mentioned earlier, your clients can choose whatever flavors they want if they're having lots of different layers for the cake. And although it is trendy to mix up the flavors and the fillings, sticking to one flavor for all the layers will always cost less. Just think about it. There's a lot less headache, a lot less preparation. It's just one big batch of cake for all the layers. So if money is an object, is a concern, sticking with one layer, sticking with one flavor for all of the tiers of wedding cake makes sense. I hate to say it this way. <laughs> it seems a little unfair. But no one's going to really miss the groom's cake. Sorry. So if you don't have one, if there isn't one, and cost is a factor, not having a groom's cake might be the way to go. However, however, don't laugh. To save on costs, what you can do, remember how I said like the groom's cake is traditionally like a novelty cake? Shh, listen. Go to the grocery store and, or the local baker and have them order a birthday cake without the happy birthday writing. Because usually those cakes are novelty cakes and use that as the groom's cake. So if he's into football, and the the grocery store bakery section has a football cake for a birthday cake. Have them make that, but don't put happy birthday on it. Did you get my drift? Okay. Shh. Going back to my normal voice now. Okay. <laughs> and then the last but not least cake costing, cake cost saving tip. Why did I say it that way? Is to display the wedding cake. And you may have heard of that. Is to, is to order a smaller cake for display. A decorated cake. For the picture and for the video, for the for the couple to cut that cake. But then you have sheets of cake in in the kitchen that is actually um, provided to the guests. It's like a supplemental sheet cake. And you keep that in the kitchen and they have that pre-plated to feed to the wedding guests. That's one way around it. Some bakers will even go to the point of creating like fake cake. So they'll make a multi-tiered cake. And maybe it's four tiers, but only the bottom layer, the only the bottom tier is the real cake. And it would need to be because that's usually the, that's the layer that needs to be cut. Do you get my drift? So that's another option. Sometimes, though, the fake layers of cake can begin to add up. So that's why I suggest sometimes just getting a smaller wedding cake for the photo op and then divvying up supplemental sheet cake in the back. OK, so just to give you a quick summary of what we went through today or the need to know points today. How about that? Fondant, picture-perfect wedding cake, but the taste, eh, not so great. Fondant. Buttercream, tastes better, but it won't last in the heat, right? Wedding cakes are priced by the slice. Upgrades will add to the overall price, okay? Do your homework. Research the area cake makers before you start making recommendations to your clients. That goes for any wedding vendor. Do your homework. The cake, the wedding cake, should be set up no more than two hours before the reception start time. Anything longer than that is likely to create a problem. Cake moving is a job for the pros. Not you, the wedding pro, but the cake making pros. Don't move wedding cake. Don't make guests wait forever for the cake cutting. Try to schedule that in a timely fashion. Guests who want to leave won't do so until the wedding cake is cut. Okay? All right. 
any comments, questions, please post them on the episode page. This is episode number 393. So weddingsforaliving.com slash 393. All of the notes for today's show will be posted on that page too. So the links to the explanations of the wedding cake terms and some of the pointers that you would need to know when you are working with wedding cakes, either with your clients or beforehand. And hopefully, please, please, please do a little bit of homework beforehand. And remember, this is the episode that you want to come back to when you are ready to help your clients with their wedding cake. This has been your crash course on wedding cakes. If you know anyone else, who's in the wedding planning industry or is aspiring to be a professional wedding planner, please tell them about Weddings for a Living. Weddingsforaliving.com is also on iTunes. Well, not the show, but, well, the show is, but not the website. And you can find the link for that at weddingsforaliving.com slash iTunes. Please post a review on iTunes. I'd love to know whether or not this information is helping you. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. Call or listen to Talkback Line. The number is 202 681 2126. Again, 202-681-2126. Okay, I'm Debbie Quain. Thank you so much for joining me. I look forward to talking to you soon in the next episode of Weddings for a Living. Take care. about weddings? Staying awake at night wondering if you could be a professional wedding planner? If you'd like to get paid to plan weddings, download Debbie's free audio class, Seven Truths Every Wedding Planner Should Know, and discover seven insider secrets about what it takes to run your own successful wedding planning business. Go to weddingsforaliving.com today and get instant access to this information-packed audio class. It's yours free at weddingsforaliving.com. Go to weddingsforaliving.com now. Visit weddingsforaliving.com.